Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. And welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. We're going to be talking about aspects of the economy, both in the U.S. and around the globe today. So, Lou, I'll let you figure out, you know, where you're going to throw the dart this morning at the map and see where we begin. Well, you know, the uh, the, the, the the chart that um, Mr. Norbert Orr has put together is really a very interesting chart, uh, and we're gonna, I'm going to leave it up to him because it looks like the only two uh, countries and or cities uh, that is really outstanding is the ISM non-manufacturing and the ISM Chicago numbers. Everybody else is kind of sideways. So, uh, Norbert Orr, where are you? I'm here, Lou. Great, great. Let's. Uh, we got a, a lot of information to cover. Let's let's go. Okay, and let's talk. Uh, start out talking about the scattergram, uh, just to, for our listeners. Uh, we chart the the uh, major business surveys from around the globe on a scattergram, looking at how they're positioned versus the rest of the uh, uh, countries and, and uh, major uh, indexes around the world from that. Uh, so it's it's a good comparative, and and what we're looking for is which economies are expanding and which ones are contracting. Uh, if they're expanding, are they getting stronger, uh, or are they getting weaker? If they're contracting, are they is it uh, strengthening, or is it getting weaker from that? So, uh, there, there's uh, the, those are the basic premises anyway. We do that when we look at the chart this month, as Lou mentioned, uh, it shows quite obviously that Chicago, with a, a ranking of uh, an index of 64.7. Uh, is outperforming uh, the the rest of the indexes. Uh, that bothers me a little bit. Uh, I, I have a lot of concerns about the Chicago index from the standpoint of uh, we see a lot more volatility coming out of that index than we do many of the others. And that's always one of the things I'm looking for is uh, uh, in doing this type of measurement, you you want a reasonable amount of volatility, but you don't want it uh, so volatile that that you're afraid that uh, whether or not that's the answer. So Chicago is just about off the chart in terms of it's growing and growing faster. It was up in the neighborhood of uh, eight points uh, month over month. The one difference I know about Chicago. Uh, that I think plays a role in it. Chicago uh, measures both manufacturing and non-manufacturing. Uh, it's 65-35, 65 manufacturing, 35% non-manufacturing. So it's uh, a little bit different, uh, obviously, than whereas the ISM, you have two different indexes to compare those. Uh, it it uh, uh, is is not. It is to me more meaningful to be able to separate that. For instance, right now the non-manufacturing survey is at 59.7, uh, 
while the manufacturing survey is at 54.2. So obviously a, a significant difference in uh, non-manufacturing. The good news of that is that non-manufacturing is four times greater than manufacturing. So uh, it means if you want to look for where the strength of the U.S. economy is at this moment, very strong growth and uh, expansion in the non-manufacturing sector uh, and less so in the manufacturing sector. That's not to say that manufacturing is doing poorly. Uh, manufacturing is uh, any, anything above 52 and a half, I think, is a good reading for, uh, for uh, non-manufacturing. And so uh, 54.2 reading uh, indicates reasonably good month-over-month growth. So uh, we're, we're uh, very, very fortunate right now. Uh, when we look at the other economies that are doing well, uh, we see, uh, uh, again, these are all above 52 and a half. Uh, India at 54.3. India is continuing to strengthen. They've made some fundamental changes in the economy, and those seem to be working, and they seem to be getting better. Of course, it's definitely a, a growth economy. Uh, Australia is at 54, uh, and that's Australia manufacturing, and, and frankly, Australia's manufacturing sector has shrunk. Uh, uh, they uh, no longer have any auto industry plants in Australia. They're importing all of that, so uh, it, it's really not a, a big player. Uh, uh, one that I know you always have interest in, Lou, is Brazil, <laughs> and uh, Brazil continues to improve. Uh, they've, again, got a new government, and uh, in the short term, it's having an impact. Uh, the, the problem is that nobody has been able to have a long-term impact over Brazil, uh, uh, except to a negative extent. Uh, so we'll, we'll watch <laughs> and see what happens there. Uh, Texas, well, Brazil, Canada, and Brazil Mexico. May have, uh, Brazil may have actually paid somebody to get that 53.4. <laughs> Uh, the the remaining three that are doing fairly well are Texas Manufacturing. Uh, of course, that has a lot of oil country goods and so on uh, associated with it, uh, a lot of uh, durable goods associated with it. Uh, the Canadian uh, is uh, kind of trails the U.S., but it's still above 52 and a half as is Mexico. So our trading partners in North America are doing okay as as we are. And uh, we're in much better position than the uh, other uh, countries that we do, uh, look at. Uh, and so let me kind of uh, touch on uh, each of these uh, and what, what's going on with it. Uh, the first is the... Uh, uh, Eurozone and uh, the Eurozone uh, less the uh, the UK uh, and because they've had their own survey and uh, and with the Brexit issues and so on we've been looking at it from uh, from that standpoint uh, but the Eurozone has continued to go downhill uh, has been that way for uh, quite some time and 
uh, I, I'm looking for it to to make a reversal, but it needs some drivers to do that, and the drivers just don't seem to be there uh, to uh, to to move the economy forward. So uh, it has crept down where the uh, eight countries that make up the the eurozone, as opposed to the European Union. That has 24 countries in it, but uh, uh, one of their problems is the big eight uh, are the ones that really drive everything. The rest of them uh, don't really uh, contribute that much in terms of what um, what their GDP level is um, from that. So uh, we we look and uh, you know one one of the real challenges is Germany. Uh, where Germany has been uh, uh, has been uh, getting slower uh, month after month, uh, and uh, was leading the European economy, uh, but now uh, uh, we're down to 49.3. That's down from 50.5. What that means basically is little change from month to month. And uh, there are a couple of the economies. Ireland tends to do better, but Ireland has deregulated. Uh, and so there's a theme that goes along with that, that uh, if, if if you want economic growth, uh, looking closely at uh, what value uh, de- uh, regulation has or deregulation can have in doing that. Uh, also, Greece uh, has... Uh, surfaced and and gotten better and again i think they've made some changes but uh once again their their manufacturing sector is probably uh the lowest of the of the top eight um and again let me give you the germany number it's at 47.6 down from 49.7 down from 51.5 so you can see it's a continuing downward trend that we're seeing uh you know out of that area um, the next area we ought to probably talk about is have you got any questions on, as far as yeah, you're actually, concerned actually I have two but I've been very patient to give you the <laughs> uh, floor to talk about the whole world um, I did hear about two days ago uh, that India India might be in for a bit of a surprise uh, it seems as though that um, they have a special deal with the U.S. that all of their goods come into this country duty-free. Trump is now talking about imposing a significant tariff on India. Uh, That will take that 54.3 way down. Uh, Have you heard anything further about that? I I, I have not heard anything to that effect. And, of course, if they did that, it would have a – it would take the 54.3 down, uh, you know. And uh, the administration is looking for equity in uh, all all of these different trade relationships. And, uh, uh, frankly, the deeper they get into it, the – uh, the worse it gets, and so stirring the pot only makes it seems to make it worse. Uh, but this is something that needed to be done. We've given away the store with regard to many of our trade relationships, and right. uh, whether or not they can get all the corrections, 
uh, I, my fear is I, I don't think very many, but, but few people understand the complexity of these trade relationships. That uh, it's not, it's it's not a uh, one size fits all. Uh, look at one set of data and that's that's it. Uh, I heard uh, Dr. Thomas Sowell uh, uh, speak uh, this past week, one of the, the great American economists, uh, conservative economists, and his one of his uh, most uh, meaningful comments was just simply, "There are so many things that we don't know." And I have, I have a friend who always says, uh, uh, I, I, half of what I know is wrong. I just don't know which half. <laughs> and, and and Dr. Soule uh, was, was kind of validating that. He's at the Stanford Institute, and uh, uh, he has a great appreciation for economists make decisions based on what they think they know, and usually what they think they know may be wrong. So... Um, uh, that, that's just that, that's the the problem that we have to live with as a, a profession from that. So, uh, yeah, did not you said you had a second question, Lou? Yeah, the uh, and, and I may have brought this up to you a month ago also that you know our economy uh, is is apparently by at least by the numbers is quite strong, uh, stronger than all others. And however, there's a significant portion of our economy that does rely on our exports. Um, the question is, how long is our um, pristine place in the economy going to last when our, all of our partners are hurting or contracting or uh, getting tariffed? Yeah, yeah. So how's, how long can we play that card that we're a strong economy when our partners are falling to the wayside? Yeah, uh, that, that's a, a tough question. That may fall into Dr. Soul's uh, what's unknown and unknowable. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but right now it looks like they're still talking about in, uh, uh, as strategists where uh, I hang my shingle. Uh, one of our people is an expert in public policy, and he feels like they will definitely get an uh, uh, agreement with China. Uh, whether or not it happens in April, uh, that's going to be close. The, the good news is the signal is pretty much that if, if Trump and Xi are going to meet uh, they're going to have to make plans far enough in advance that we're pretty well going to know that they've got a deal. Because uh, after uh, what uh, uh, President Xi saw coming out of uh, the North Korean meetings, he, he doesn't want Trump walking out on him. That's right. And so... Saving uh, face is what it's all about. Exactly. And so if, once they schedule a meeting, if, if that meeting starts to, you know, uh, hold up uh, in terms of timing, uh, they, they're going to get to a, a deal that uh, that works. And I, I think uh, uh, the, the Chinese understand that there's uh, an inequity in uh, 
their trade policies and so on, they're going to have to make some movement on, on these things and uh, particularly on the intellectual property issues and how do you get recovery and uh, ownership. Uh, they, they've got to do some things that, uh, that give the United States a, a more warm and fuzzy feeling about, uh, about where, where they're going with the relationship. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, and uh, and Norbert, just uh, to jump in here, the USMCA, I understand <clears throat> the Senate is saying, yes, we'll vote on it, but you got to take the tariffs away. Is that what you're hearing? Uh, we're hearing some rumblings of that. Uh, you know, uh, members of Congress uh, uh, are always willing to jump into the middle of these things and uh, – uh, if they have a, a private axe to grind, uh, you know, make that part of it. Uh, what we need right now is some uh, unanimity between uh, uh, the, uh, the Republican Party to be able to get what they need out of uh, uh, out of this. Uh, uh, th- th- and that's tough. It's tough to get that kind of consensus where every state uh, has. Uh, its own needs in every market and every election and so on. So it's, uh, it's tough to do. Uh, but again, uh, I think they have to come to an agreement. The Chinese have to, uh, uh, let, let's talk for a minute as long as we're, we're, we're talking Chinese trade. Um, one, one of the things that I have a, a lot of, uh, uh, respect for is our ability to, uh, uh, look at uh, Asian trade in general and see where it is. And, and obviously we've given you some numbers that are very optimistic about where the United States stands right now. Uh, can we continue to go that way? Yeah, because we changed the tax codes. We uh, still have uh, capital investment that uh, that's taking place uh, no matter where you go. There's huge amounts of construction going um, there, there's all of those positives. Uh, but then if we look at what's going on with the rest of Asia, uh, South Korea has been in a uh, manufacturing recession for uh, quite some time. Uh, Japan has been close to a manufacturing recession for quite some time. Uh, Taiwan is the most uh, uh, variable of, of the Asian economies. Uh, I always consider it to be the semiconductor index. And Taiwan uh, came in this month at um, 48.3, up from 47.9, up from 44.8. So Taiwan in the last three months has been uh, really really struggling if you average that out. Um, and uh, then, of course, you have the two China surveys. Both of them are below 50. Uh, you have um, the uh, ASEA group, the seven countries that uh, include Vietnam, Myanmar, and et cetera. Uh, they're down to a 49.6, down from 49.7. Uh, so there, there's no economy in Asia 
that's really generating significant growth right now. And that's all because of China. The numbers don't show up in China as much as they do in all of their trading partners. So if Taiwan is extremely slow, China is their biggest customer. And so it means that China is is much slower than the numbers look like for China right now. So uh, I really see that continuing uh, until they get the deal. So uh, I, I think there's more pressure than uh, than we might imagine associated with it. And the China number is more than likely manipulated. So who knows what the number is? Uh, that's exactly right. And, and that's the other reason I kind of like to look at China through the eyes of Taiwan, Lou, because mm-hmm. uh, Taiwan, I helped them put their survey together. And oh. I know it well, and I know what's involved in it. And uh, Taiwan is in a position where they have uh, they get like a 94% response rate. And so we really get a good picture of, of what's happening in Asia, I think, through the Taiwan numbers, much more so than anything that, uh, that comes uh, out of either of the China surveys. China is probably 1%, meaning the Communist Party. Yeah, right. Well, uh, there, there's always some member of the Communist Party not too far away. They may not be visible, but they're, they're not, never far away in, in those relationships. And so, uh, and, and frankly, that's a, a lot of what uh, uh, President Xi uh, you know, he has an unlimited uh, term, and uh, uh, but he still has a lot of people in the party that he's got to keep happy, and uh, many of them, uh, uh, you know, China is a communist country, uh, but they have more billionaires than any economy in the world. Um, so it's a, a real tension between uh, uh, capitalism and communism uh that takes place within within their world. Norbert, I'll share I'll share a quick story, and then you can continue with the report. Uh, I was in China about three years ago, and uh, I went to visit a uh, manufacturing plant, and the company had about a thousand employees. It was huge, and uh, we were having a banquet lunch with the uh, chairman of the company and about 15 or 20 of his uh, uh, of his high-level managers. And in talking to uh, the chairman who spoke English, uh, we got to talking, and uh, I made the fatal mistake, uh, and you know I tend to fool around a bit. I made the fatal mistake of saying, so how does it feel to be a capitalist? And he doesn't know that he's a capitalist, and he was uh, marginally insulted, and I, I had to back my way out of that conversation. But it was really <laughs> shocking. It was really shocking that he doesn't know he's a capitalist. You know, you have a right. thousand. Of, you know, it was amazing. It was really amazing. So that's the last time I ever talked about capitalism in China. Well, they obviously have a different form of capitalism, uh, uh, and I can imagine that uh, they they do struggle with that. I've had uh, a 
number of trips to Taiwan and China, and mm-hmm. uh, I find that uh, th- they don't really think in those terms. Uh, one, because they don't think in political terms. Uh, they, they, they don't understand the influence of the politics on their life. Uh, how strong it is and so on, because that's just not their frame of reference. They can't do anything to change the politics. So uh, there's just not much weight put on, uh, on what goes with that. Mm -hmm. For sure. So one one of the things I wanted to touch on this month uh, uh, is uh, we had uh, – Last month, the employment report came out, and I was fascinated by uh, the results of the report. Uh, and I'm sure everybody saw uh, that uh, from February of 19, uh, non-farm payroll came in at 20,000 plus. When uh, the experts, so-called experts, were expecting somewhere around 168,000. So a huge miss is, is what that uh, what's that translated to, and uh, what we uh, what we saw was I, I went back and looked at the data in my database back to February of 2013, and there were four instances where that report dropped below 100,000, and every month following, for instance, in March of 2015, it came in at 84,000. In April of that year, it came in at 251,000, so it immediately snapped back. Mm-hmm. May of 2016, it went from 24,000 to June uh, at 270,000. Uh, March, it went from 50,000 to 207,000 the following month. And the last time it did this prior to the February was September of 17. And it went from 18,000 to 261,000. So if you start doing the math, you see the recoveries were 299 percent, 1129%, 414%, 1450%. So my message is every month after this, we got a low number. I don't know what causes the low number, but it's something that uh, in the way they measure that every now and then, uh, has a profound effect on uh, on the numbers and so on, but I would expect this to bounce back. If, if it goes with the lowest reading we had, it would be up 299 percent this next month. So uh, forget the employment report, discount that, go on about your business, and uh, 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 we'll we'll see that those numbers come back. Uh, the U.S. economy is strong. It will continue that way as long as long as we don't uh, screw it up with our our politics or tariffs, whatever it is. That uh, uh, eventually uh, we, we've got to put the right things in place to continue growth. Do you see any other headwinds besides uh, tariffs and politics? I mean, I'm not sure there's anything <laughs> else as dramatic. Yeah, I'm not sure. There, there's probably some there. I'm not sure we want to. We want to promote them in, in any way and do it. Yeah, there's there's always a supply and demand. There's always what's the consumer doing. There's always what's the interest rates. Uh, you know, interest rates are so benign right now that that that's a good thing. Uh, 
because it, it's not pushing us to do stupid things because of it, mm-hmm. and it helps investment. So I'm I'm really at the point where I, I believe uh, um, we'll get these things straightened out. Uh, we'll be better off for for it. And uh, you know the administration has every reason to to want to get these clouds uh, out of the distance and and uh, uh, be, be able to run on the economy and the uh, election that's still quite some di- distance off, but nonetheless has a, a big impact already on uh, on what's happening. It seems as though uh, inventory uh, seems to be on the low side of the inventory numbers of this past uh, You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, the, the key indicators, uh, the inventories index, uh, is above 50, which means inventories are growing a little bit. Uh, but I think people are still trying to make up for uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 uh, liquidation of inventories over the last months. We had 16 months when the new orders index ran above 60. So right. we had a tremendous liquidation taking place within that. So I think we're trying to get that back. The, the the key uh, index that I rely on is called customer inventories, and that's what's the customer doing. Do, do they have sufficient stock on the shelves uh, or in the distribution centers or, or, or whatever from that? And uh, it fell below 40 this month. So that's a, a very, very good indication that there's a lot of room for replenishment in the supply chains. And that's the number that I'll be watching closest. That's the one that it doesn't bother me that new orders are coming down somewhat because they're they're supposed to level out over time. Uh, mm-hmm. What would bother me is if we see that uh, all of a sudden customer shelves are flush with inventory, and uh, uh, and when we're, we see demand falling while that's uh, taking place. Well, if it, if it keeps going the way the direction is, uh, according to your report and the ISM report and others, uh, things are looking good for 2019. That, that's absolutely the case. Uh, I, it's going to be slower, but continuing mm-hmm. uh, on the upside for as far as the U.S. economy is concerned. And uh, I think uh, uh, that easily, uh, again, uh, we get the trade issues, tariffs settled, and so on. Uh, this can run well and well past 2020. And then, of course, there's always the election year, uh, <laughs> which generally, which generally is a good year for business, even yes. though we have a we have a strange anomaly going on in Washington. Yes, and we, we have to live with those things. And the best thing we can do in most cases is just go on with our business and. Uh, Execute a good business plan, uh, and let let the chips fall where they will when we're when we're finished. I think that's a good, probably a good plan for everybody, Norbert. Uh, unless you're directly in the line of pain from what Washington is doing, you're better off ignoring them and just going on about your business. Uh, and this isn't a new phenomenon. One of my favorite lines in a 1954 movie is Miracle on 34th Street, where the department, toy department manager is talking to the HR manager about their new Santa Claus. And 
nuts. And he says, well, maybe he's just a little bit crazy, like painters or composers or some of those men in Washington. <laughs> well, so, uh, and half a century or more is, has been pro- going on. Yeah, the painters and composers are no longer no longer a sub- subject to being compared to with the crazy people in Washington. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Well, Norbert, thanks for the update. We always appreciate the uh, the global report, and we take uh, all that information and put it into our metals and manufacturing outlook e-zine that's going to hit the street shortly as a digital publication. And we would like people to uh, get a hold of Norbert or for, uh, if you're a manufacturer, to sign up for the two reports that they put up. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything to get the reports. You answer two simple questions. You get a lot of advanced information. comes out before the ISM number. Uh, great kind of stuff. And this global survey report is in it. Norbert, again, thanks for joining us. Yeah, if anybody wants to try a 90-day trial of uh, getting that information, I think you'll find it very interesting. Uh, I'll be glad to uh, 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 be able to get you online to to receive that. Well, why don't you give us the email uh, address for them to sign up for that? Very good. Thank you, Lou. Uh, It's N-O-R-E at... StrategusRP.com. That's S-T-R-A-T-E-G-A-S-R-P.com. And if uh, you you can find me on the uh, on, on the internet, uh, 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 I'll have several different email addresses you can contact me. Uh, in addition to that, well, I'm sure Great they can so. do it. Norbert or search, and they'll find you in a in a heartbeat. And hopefully they'll find you splattered all over the pages of Manufacturing Talk Radio where we have every show we've ever done with Norbert. Norbert, thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Norbert. And keep up the good work. Thank you. Take care, guys. (laughs) Will do. So, Lou, it always looks better than or, or sounds better than we hear on the nightly news. The nightly news isn't news. Isn't that fake news? This is real news. Yeah, it's interesting because even Fox News says openly that they are opinion news. Right, right. And it's like, what happened to the days of Walter Cronkite and Edward R. Murrow? And I realize that we're really dating ourselves, but that was news, folks. They, and Walter Winchell, let's not forget him. Yeah. But they, if anybody remembers him. I think maybe I'm going to get a Walter Winchell hat. You know, the old hat go. that he used to wear? He was a real, like a reporter, um, instead of our yellow jackets. Nah, we can't get rid of our yellow jackets. That's our brand. <laughs> By the way, your yellow jacket is looking good today. I, I like it. You've got some of those creases out from last month. Okay. Yeah, when I, had it, I was folded up in a suitcase to travel up to uh, some of that we were doing. <laughs> okay. Uh, good show, good information. I'm feeling uh, more optimistic uh, today than I did a month ago from today. Uh, and uh, in our in our metals business, all metals and forge, we are beginning to see the reaction to uh, the the upswing from the January February short blip, a downward blip in manufacturing. It's come back. Uh, and uh, we're excited about that. So now I have to go to work and sell some metal. 
That's right. And uh, all of you listening to the show, we appreciate you taking the time. You can find our entire library at mfgtalkradio.com. By the way, all of our episodes have a unique number these days. So if you find one that's particularly interesting, you want to refer it to a friend, you can just say, you know, go listen to episode uh, 248. And they'll be able to find it right away at mfgtalkradio.com. And we also have our Manufacturing Matters show with Cliff Waldman. Cliff is was the chief economist with the Manufacturers Alliance for Productivity and Innovation. Uh, he now does a show with us called Manufacturing Matters every week. Excellent information. You can click over to Women in Manufacturing. That is our show on insights women provide women about their career path in manufacturing. Fascinating interviews there. So lots of content. Come back and often. Might, and, and I might add that we've got four or five shows, other shows in development. Uh, one actually booked this morning, which uh, I'll talk to you about offline. Uh, but uh, we're putting together uh, eight, nine different shows all about manufacturing. So if you're in manufacturing or in business, tune in. Also check out our uh, partners that we are bringing on board. We're adding to our content by uh, partnering up with other people who do podcasts in the manufacturing space. The American Society of Safety Professionals is, uh, has joined us, and we have a number of others who will be joining us to expand the content at mfgtalkradio.com, and we look forward to all of you visiting and listening to the great content there. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>